father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado, and welcome to episode 160. Today we have Coach Alan Griffin, who is the head girls basketball coach at Gainesville High School in Gainesville, Georgia. Alan Griffin attended college at Carson Newman College, where he earned his BA in religion and was a letterman on the football team. From Carson Newman, he went to Pasilli High School in Columbus, Georgia, where he taught religion for eight years. He served as the athletic director for four, served as head boys basketball coach for eight, and was also the head football coach for one year. In his time at Pasilli, he earned the GADA Region Athletic Director of the Year for Region 4A in 2015 and was voted as the Ledger Inquirer Boys Basketball Coach of the Year in both 2015 and 16. In the summer of 2016, he took the position of athletic director and assistant principal at White County High School, where he earned the Region 7 4, <coughs> Region 7 4A Athletic Director of the Year Award in 2018. Coach Griffin will be entering his third year at Gainesville High School, where he served as a counselor and head girls basketball coach. He is married to Jenny Griffin, and they have two children, Maggie and Tripp. I'm really excited to uh, talk to one of my coaching buddies, uh, Coach Alan Griffin. He comes to our clinics every single year, and he's such a just a basketball junkie like myself. But uh, he's at a really a um, a great school at Gainesville High School. They have a tremendous tradition that he is actually trying to rebuild there. So it's going to be exciting to kind of listen to him on what he's doing to kind of get his program back to the level where he wants it. So I think you're really going to uh, get a lot of good pointers on what he's trying to do, and hopefully you'll gain some great ideas for your program. Uh, some of the key concepts he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about his one three one multiple defense, his LM, LMU break, and his read and react offense. So he's going to really be sharing with you some great things on what he's doing. So let's welcome Coach Alan Griffin. Alan, welcome. Coach. Alan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. 
I hope you can hear me good on that. The audio, audio check, audio check. I got you. <laughs> got you. Hey, man, welcome, man. I, I feel like you're um, a loyal listener to the podcast, man. I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Absolutely, I've I've loved uh, loved hearing your podcast and uh, Coach Steve Collins. Listen to him a good bit and uh, just your uh, your clinic. You know, is is the best around. So. Excited to be talking some hoops with you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I appreciate you being uh, coming to our clinic and so forth. And uh, hopefully we can keep that going. I just right now at this point, I just don't know. Yeah, everybody's kind of fearful of everything now. So um, hopefully we'll kind of get that back running again. Hey, yeah. uh, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I know right now you're, I think you're in your third year at, at Gainesville, but kind of talk a little bit about you know, how you grew up in the game and kind of give us a little, little bio of uh, kind of just um, what basketball has meant to you, man, starting from when, you know, when you're a young kid. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I'm a coach's son. Um, my dad coached a whole lot of basketball into his <laughs> principal. Um, and I, I just grew up in the gym with him, you know, the most – my favorite days growing up were Saturday mornings when I could go to the gym with dad. And, uh, you know, I, as I got older, I got to be a practice player and my dad always coached girls, and, um, just, uh, you know, got to be on the bench with him, you know, in middle school and whatnot as the water boy and all that. Um, you know, my athletic career actually kind of went more toward the football side. Um, a punter and I, and played uh, four years of football at Carson Newton College. Um, had a great experience there. And um, all I ever wanted to do was teach and coach. Um, and oddly enough, you know, maybe my sophomore year of college, I changed my major to religion. Um, well, as, as the good Catholic I am, you know, the, the few things you can do with a religion degree is to either teach it or go be a priest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be a priest, so I, 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 you know, still had a passion to teach and coach. So I thought, well, well, just apply to a bunch of Catholic schools, and um, sure enough, I got a job teaching religion at a Catholic school in Columbus, Georgia, uh, Saint Ampicelli Catholic School. Absolutely fantastic school there, and um, you know, I really got sucked into the athletic side of things, and, and you know this as well as anybody, coach. When you're at a small school. Um, you you better be ready to do everything. And um, I uh, got hired on as a religion teacher and a football coach. And never forget uh, Jeff Battles, who's now the Muskogee County AD, was the head football coach then. He took me to lunch. I thought, man, you know, uh, you know, big deal going to lunch with the head football coach. Um, and he said, listen, I need a favor from you. You know, first year coach, you're going to have to pick up some extra duties that you may not want. So I, I'm going to need you to coach middle school basketball. And I said, <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I mean, I was fired up about it. Um, dove right in. And uh, the coaching my first middle school basketball game ever, um, the, the passion and the energy and the excitement of being on the sideline just absolutely hooked me. And I haven't been able to get enough of it since. And um, after that first year at, at the Pacelli's Middle School, um, the high school job opened up. 
and and I got it. And I probably was probably, you know, at that time I was 22, 23 years old, probably the youngest head coach in the state. Um, <laughs> absolutely clueless. The the year before, um, they had eight kids on the varsity team, didn't have a JV, six of them graduated. So my first year as a head coach, I was returning two players, period. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I got a soccer player to come out, got two baseball players to come out, and the quarterback on the football team. And, uh, you know, we, we bumped along. We were pretty bad. Um, next couple of years, you know, building. And uh, my last two years, we had really good products at Pacelli, really proud of. Um, went to the Sweet 16 in 2015 and the Elite Eight in 2016. And I thought we were we, – we ran into the state runner-up, St. Francis, uh, the year they had Kobe Simmons, and they were – they were pretty special, knocked us out. Um, so then 2016, we just had our second son. And I told him I got married uh, the year I graduated college. So, you know, I married a girl from East Tennessee. And I said, hey, look, you know, this first job is going to be wherever it may be. And, you know, we'll just be there two or three years. Well, I was at Pacelli for nine years. And uh, at that point, we had had – two two kids and and my wife kind of looked at me like I you know I thought you just said three years <laughs> so we started looking to get a little closer to her home and um I took the took a job as the athletic director at White County High School and um the first first two weeks of the job you know working in the summer uh, as an administrator and, and I wasn't able to go to practice after work. I just went home and I said, this ain't it. Um, this isn't not ready for this. So, uh, after two years of white County, I took the head girls job at Gainesville high school and, uh, just absolutely have loved every minute of it and going into year three. And, uh, we're just, you know, continuing to try to get better and better. Um, so that's, that's kind of been my, my story of, of how I got to Gainesville high school and coaching the, the team there. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, and uh, what's funny is that um, is you kind of, um, you kind of feel, it's kind of funny. You kind of fell into basketball coaching. And I, I have noticed on a lot of the podcasts that a lot of coaches don't go in thinking they're going to coach. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they jump in the basketball um, and a lot of great coaches that I've interviewed, they did, they, you know, they were not even thinking about basketball as soon as they get a taste of it. So, hey, once you're into basketball, man, there's a special feeling. You have so much contact, you feel like you're really involved into the game and everything. It's a fun sport to coach, isn't it? It, it really is. And and I always thought that, you know, when I first started, I thought, well, basketball would be my kind of my secondary and I, I want to be a head football coach and I want to do this and that, you know, with football, you, Monday through Thursday, you, like the saying says, you put the hay in the barn and then Friday you roll it out and, you know, coach, you, you don't have, I don't think a lot of control from the sideline in football, whereas basketball, one, you're playing two or three times a week, but I think that in game coaching in basketball, sure. Is, is just at a whole nother level. 
especially at the high school game. I just think there's so many little things that a coach can do throughout the course of the game to improve his team's chances of winning. Yeah, I totally agree. And we're, we're going to really pick your brain. I, I just love getting coaches from all over the, the country, just kind of talking about, you know, what, and then what I do, um, because, you know, I'm a great thief, man, you know, that Alan, I I'll pick up one or two things from each coach. Uh, who are the mentors along the way that you really study that you kind of not, you might not have followed everything that they've done, but they had a big influence on you. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost is, is my dad. Um, just seeing what he did with and my dad was always in a place to rebuild um he never went to a place that was ready to win um and I, I loved that part of what my dad did in his career was was going into a gym willing to you know take a team that might just win five games and building up every year until they're at that that 20 win mark um so you know just being with my dad on the sideline is my, is my biggest influence but as far as the, the game's concerned, I uh, I met a guy in Beulah, Alabama, named David Owens, um, and we were both kind of in a down cycle when I first met him. So we uh, we tried to play two or three times a year because we were very evenly matched. And um, he's yeah, we're playing, and and it, he keeps getting this open three point shot on the right side. And this kid just keeps knocking it down. And I, you know, look at my guys, say, nobody can guard them. You know, the little, little dweeby shooting guard has got 20 points. And uh, sit down with him afterwards and say, Coach, what are you what are you doing to get that shot? And he said, Well, it's the, it's the LMU break. And, you know, he kind of showed me a little bit of it. And he said, But if you really want to do it, you got to call Glenn Hicks. Right. Yo, Glenn. Yeah. So I called Coach uh, – well, Coach Hicks came down to play a tournament game in Columbus, and I went and watched him with my assistant coach. And, I, you know, we're watching them get up and down the floor and shoot 500 threes by the first quarter and <laughs> 15 kids. And I looked at my assistant and I said, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and we were at – you know, we were in South Southwest Georgia – I really felt like we could get away with anything. We didn't have, you know, uh, you try something, something innovative in football in Southwest Georgia, people look at you like, hey, I don't know, coach, if that's going to work, but you kind of have a little more freedom in basketball. Um, so I thought we were in a place where we could really try to try to do something a little bit innovative. And uh, Coach Hicks he called him up and he, he said, you know, he talked to me for about an hour with it. And he said, but, you know, give me your address and I got something coming in the mail for you. And Coach Hicks sent me and granted, I've never met Coach, gotten to meet Coach Hicks or shake his hand or anything at this point. And he sent me Paul Westhead's DVD and, and a playbook and all these notes. And um, so Coach Hicks, you know, even though I haven't gotten to sit down with him many times, was just gave me a world of knowledge. Um to, to take uh, as I got started in the, in the break. Um, and then, you know, most recently uh, coach Durden, Gene Durden down at sure. Buford, you know, he's 30 minutes away from me and he's just been um, ultra accessible. Anytime, anything I ever need or, or want to pick his brain about, he's, he's been there for me. And I think, uh, you know, just the way coach Durden goes about 
his business as a, as a coach, as a person is, uh, is something that I've always, you know, wanted to, to emulate. So he, he's definitely been a big influence. Um, and there's just been a ton of coaches along the way who have made an impact and, and probably don't even know they made an impact on me just by, uh, you know, a 30 minute conversation here or there. Um, so, I, but I would say my biggest influencer in the coaching world has been Jeff Battles, um, who I mentioned is the athletic director at Muskogee County. And he, he really, really taught me how to, how to be an educator, how to be a true educator, um, inside the classroom and, uh, on the playing fields. Uh, you know, he would, he would walk by my classroom on a Friday and make sure I was teaching, you know, so he was <laughs> sure a great influence for me to, to, to learn how to be an educator. Yeah. And I spoke to, uh, and you probably know him, Dr. Kurt Miller, um, mm -hmm. and uh, great athletic director and so forth. And it's funny, he was also a former coach at Ola. Um, I think it takes, um, that's a hard job being an athletic director. I, I just think, um, and it's hard to find ones that really, um, care about you more as a person or are not are not just focusing on, Hey, this is the result. You got to win a certain number of games. And obviously we know as coaches, that's important. What are some of the keys? Cause you were an AD for a while and you yeah. were very successful. So what are some of the keys that enabled you to be a successful AD? I think to have a, I always called it having a whole program approach um, that you got to be to be a great AD. You you've got to love every sport. You got to understand that um, a, a tennis match to those kids is just as important as a football game on a Friday night to that to those kids. Um, and make sure that every group on campus is getting the things that they need to be successful. And th that means you know. Uh, being responsible with money and, and making sure everybody's able to fundraise appropriately and make sure that everybody has uh, coaches who are uh, well-versed in those areas and who are working hard for their kids. And, um, you know, I always felt that uh, athletic director position was a service position. Whatever you need, coach, let me know so I can take care of it for you. Um, so I just think being, being a service-minded person is – is the most important important part of being an athletic director. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, uh, you really need, I think, number one, I think all us coaches, right, we want the support. We want the communication, too, because you want to feel free to go into your AD's office and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this, and you know he's going to help you. That's important, right? Absolutely. And I, I work for a really good one right now, Adam Lindsay at Gainesville. And um, he, he always just, his way of communicating is so great because anything that crosses his desk that has anything to do with my sport, he wants to get my, my input on it. Um, it. It may be the, the colors on the, the, the stripes on the floor uh, what kind of water bottles he's ordering, you know, he, he wants to make sure that I'm comfortable with it um, and make sure that uh, we're making joint decisions and everything that, that goes on in, in my program, which is, uh, you know, exactly what you, you want as a coach. 
Yeah, and, and and we forget that we're not just building a team, right, Al? We're building a program. So there's a lot of things involved, and we're going to talk about that. I want you to really share what you're doing at Gainesville. But before we get into that, talk about what you're doing now within the pandemic, because um, I know I, I do a lot of things with my players now online and so forth. So kind of give us, you know, what are, what are you doing to stay connected with your players during this time? And we start conditioning June 8th. What are you planning to do June 8th with your team? Well, you know, this is such a unique experience because uh, when we left school on that Friday, I think it was, what was March 13th, something like that. Right. And, you know, they, they kind of told us, well, well, we'll probably see you in a week. And then they said, well, we'll, we'll see you after spring break. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the first thing I did, because we – we went we went out for the pandemic right before right maybe a week before we were really going to start working hard with the four on one groups um so to take that place we we started a google classroom i post videos little drills that they can do um you know in their driveway or in their backyard you know really just drills where the only thing they need is about a basketball um that that they can do so ball handling stuff some shooting stuff that they got a basket um and then we've done a couple of zoom meetings um the, the zoom meetings have been so so tough because you know i'm kind of running out of things to talk about <laughs> right <laughs> um, you know so uh we, we've done some zoom meetings in the google classroom um and then you know we're we're having a meeting this Thursday to talk about uh, our June 8th conditioning. And um, I'm looking at going two to three times a week. Um, You know, I think we're limited to 45 minutes. So uh, a lot of it is just going to be ladder work, uh, a lot of stretching. And, you know, I hope everybody's kind of aware that we've got air conditioned kids. First athletic thing they're doing outside of what they've done at home is going to be in the middle of a Georgia summer. Right. You know, and, and we've d- decided that for the first week or so, we're going to be outside. So our system has decided to do the first week or two weeks outside, outside okay. of the gym. Um, and, and that's, you know, just the safety precaution that, we've decided to take um so all all our stuff's going to be ladder work footwork um you know we're certainly going to do a lot of defensive slides and closeouts you know we we can do all that without a ball and um you know with without any equipment uh, so the biggest thing we want to do is just you know get used to being around each other again get used to to working again and, um, you know, want to, want to work a lot on communication that, that time, making sure there's a lot of positive energy in our workouts. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't think in this phase one conditioning period, we're going to win a lot of games, but we can, we can certainly do some things that improve the culture of our team. Yeah. And I think you can do that at any type of, uh, you, you've already done it coach with your communication with your players. So, so for those coaches who have not done anything, man, it's going to be a lot of catch up. Um, I think your really good coaches and programs have been doing stuff right from day one. Um, and that that's part of having a good culture, right? I mean, you just can't wait to the last second. You got to pre-plan. You got to have a vision. 
Yep, yep. And, and that's the thing. We we're we're ready for June eighth. Um, you know, we're we're ready for hopefully when we can roll the balls out. Um, but it's so hard to plan uh, just because you don't know what's what's going to happen next in regards to the pandemic. You know, um, if they decide that they need to lengthen the conditioning period or if they decide that, you know, maybe that doesn't need to happen right now. So we're, we're really trying to take it week by week and, and just work on, on culture pieces while we're together. Yeah. And uh, I firmly believe, um, and I'm kind of crazy and I, we actually, I had my, my team was doing uh we, we do what we call a get better challenge where they can earn, you know, t-shirts and all. we try to make it as fun as possible. But part of it, was film study from last year. So I'm big on that. And we, you know, we try to, we have, we're in a small single A program. So, you know, we have to do a lot more than everybody else to be really good. But um, I still think you're right though. I still think even in the workouts, man, you're getting your team prepared for the season, even though you don't have the ball. Right. Right. Uh, There's just so many little lessons we, we can teach, you know, like closing out, shooting your hands, um, you know, taking good angles defensively. Um, you know, we, we'll do we'll do some dry runs with the break, making sure our spacing is good. And, and you know, spacing should be great right now with with the social distancing. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well spaced this uh, this uh, winter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love what you're saying there because I'm going to be doing the same. With We're going to be dry running all sorts of stuff, man. But they're going to be going hard. I still think there's a lot of things you can do without a ball and of course you know we're trying to limit you know obviously we don't want contact but there's a lot of things if you have a creative mind I think a lot of coaches that's why I wanted to kind of pick your brain to see what you guys are doing I think you can do a lot of stuff on the court um, without a ball and so forth to kind of simulate what you're doing during the season Uh, absolutely and uh, we're since we are going to be outside we we have outdoor basketball court so we're going to do our workouts on the outdoor basketball court just so we can do things like run the break um space and work uh running our set plays without a ball you know we can do all that stuff full speed we can do all that stuff with with high intensity um just you know there's no excuse for when we can get a basketball and we can get inside the gym that we don't know where to go um, and if we, we know where to go once we get in the gym with the basketball, I think we, we, we're a step ahead of things. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I really want you to talk about your program now and what you're planning to do. You gave me a, you kind of gave me some three topics that you really want to talk about. I really want you to kind of dive into that a little bit. But my first question is, um, how are you building? Let's talk from day one when you came into Gainesville. How are you building? I, I think all coaches – this is what we try to do. We're trying to establish what kind of culture we're going to have. So what are you trying to do since day one and what you're trying to maybe add or build on to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Gainesville High School has got such a rich athletic tradition and a rich basketball tradition. Um, so coming in, uh, one of the things I just wanted to do was was to make sure that those traditions were honored, upheld, and well taken care of. Um, you know, I, I certainly want to, um, to, to meet the standard that's been there. Um, so I, you know, I inherited some really good ball players, um, some kids that were really well coached, 
um, our, our biggest challenge now is to, to continue to get better every day and, and, and get back into those state championship conversations. So, um, the biggest thing I've tried to do is to implement a faster style of play. Um, I like to play fast. So we, we've worked a lot um, in the LMU break. I'm going to probably get away from that just a little bit this year because I, I don't think we we don't have a, a real sharp shooter. We, we don't have anybody going to shoot 50% from the three. Um, so we're, we're looking at, at doing some more set offensive things that I haven't done in a while. Um, you know, and basketball in this area is so good. So we're we're just trying to get better every day, really. Um, and, and I like to be a little bit unique on the offensive and defensive end. So, um, you know, I, I try to run things that uh, other teams aren't going to see throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, talk about what are some adjustments that you're going to make um, or – you're going to be more ball control, maybe, um, you know, maybe more of a, you know, you know, you know, swinging the ball, maybe a passing cut theory, maybe flex offense, maybe, you know, dribble drive. What are you going to do offensively? It sounds like to me, you want to kind of control your possessions a little bit. A little bit. So, you know, with the LMU break, which I, I love. And when I was at Pacelli, my last year there, I had two kids shoot. I had a kid shoot 46% from three and I had a kid shoot uh, 51% from nice. three. He was, he was 77 for 144. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know? Yeah. He was my kid. Yeah. You know, and his rule was if you caught the ball and there wasn't a hand in your face, you better shoot it. Um, and, and, you know, he went on to play college basketball. Um, so he was a special talent. Um, and I felt very confident in letting him shoot 144 threes throughout the course of a 25-game schedule. Um, you know, with with the break, you're going to get open shots. Um, but as you're teaching them to play fast, play fast, play fast, there are times in the game where you have to uh, be real particular about the shot that's about to go up. And, and that's where I think the break is limited. If you're teaching them to run, run and gun and take the first open shot, you know, if you're down by, uh, by six with two minutes to go, you, you may not want that corner three, you know, within 10 seconds. Right. Uh, so that's where we kind of want to be better this year is to start to understand uh, when we want to push and when we want to pull, um, you know, I, I've, always had a flex set in i loved running the break into that four out one in set and then being able to call a flex set or, or another kind of set as a quick hitter um but that's always been when we've had the lead um and we could kind of you know uh really st- step on the throat at that point you know nothing nothing's more moralizing to a team when uh you're running and gunning and then all of a sudden you pull it back uh, make three passes in a screen and a layup um, at, at the end of a ball game to really kind of set set the game to ice. But um, this year we, we want to start to understand good and bad shots a little bit better. Um, we're still going to run the break as a way to get down the court, um, but we're going to have a couple of calls this year 
as to whether or not we want to we want to push for that first open shot or or get a sure thing shot. Yeah, give me an example of some of your sets and so forth. I I, I don't think we talk about that enough. Is I think there's two ways to do it. I don't think either way is wrong. I've always been a continuity guy. I don't know just how I was growing up and how I learned the game. But to be honest with you, running a lot of sets, I don't think is – I think you can get a lot of quick shots off a set and then either reset or go into a continuity. I don't think there's a right or wrong. But so are you looking to go continuity into a quick set or quick set or maybe reset, be really patient, or go into another – you know, maybe another flow offense? Right. So uh, I want to make sure that I don't throw out everything we've worked really hard on the past two years. Um, and that, that is the break and that is the initial layers of the read and react offense. Um, I was a big, big read and react fan early in my career because it was one, it was easy to teach Two, It was easy to practice. Um, and it, it made you get better at basketball while run, learning to run off. Sure. Um, so I think that reading and reaction kind of taking on another level now. And I think there's, you know, 27, 28 layers <laughs> to, right. uh, you know, we're, we're passing cut. That's really easy. If you pass the ball, you better sure. cut. Yeah. Uh, if you dribble the ball, you, you can dribble in two directions. You can drive it north to south at the basketball goal and everybody else has a job around that drive. Or you can drive it east and west at one of your other perimeter players, and then you're going to back cut at that point. Um, so that's going to go into what I call our breakdown offense. When a set breaks down and you have to play basketball, you get to fall back on those rules. Um, so we're going to run our, our break. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Break into a set this year, um, and and I'll have a flex set, and I'll have a, a kind of a slice cut set um, where the backside wings cut into the ball side off of a back screen, um, which will flow into a continuity look. Um, and then when our set breaks down, we're going to play our read and react rules. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's all going to, we're, we're going to feel it out, but we got, you know, three kids we're confident in taking shots and we, and we want to make sure that the ball goes through their hands uh, for them to get their high percentage looks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, Alan. I, I think, of course, a lot of your opponents are probably listening to this, writing down notes, man. So you better be careful. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a, a guy in the last podcast and all his coaching buddies were sending me thank you notes. <laughs> um, yeah, so region that, that that has a whole whole another uh, effect on it. You know that kind of excited. We're 
you know, we're, we're going to go into a region where um, coaches just really have feel and they don't have those in-game uh, in, in memories to just as they play us. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, we sometimes we um, sometimes just coaches. I think we overthink the game a little bit. I mean, we all know each other and so forth. It's a matter of just execution. So, are you going to do what you do better than the opponent? Right? Yeah, I've and it's actually been a weakness of of, of mine to focus more on us in in game prep than on what the other team's going right. to do. Uh, you. Call it a strength, call it a weakness. I'm not really not sure what. <laughs> sure, but we can't. Prepare, we can't really prepare to play you unless we're we're good at what we do first. Um, and then I try to take the mentality as well. well they got to stop us too. Um, so, but you know, definitely something I want to get stronger at as a coach is is being able to take my scouting report, take it into practice, and making sure that a team doesn't get A, B, and C against us, and that they have to go deeper into their their playbook to to be yeah and that's that's a hard sell sometimes because i totally agree because uh we believe in scouting here a lot and so forth there's a fine line you can give your team too much info they're going man this team is i know there's times where we played teams it's like damn man this team's they must be really good man coach is really going over a lot so i definitely i definitely agree i think there's a fine line how much information you guys give add on to that what do you what do you do in your scouting reports to prevent that well it, it's kind of been you know this game is very trendy when i was in south georgia it didn't matter where you went you were going to have to break a diamond press first you're you're going to see a diamond press four out of five nights um up here you know, there's really good man-to-man basketball coaches. Um, so we probably saw maybe 15 out of 25 nights this year, good, solid man-to-man defense and dribble drive motion. Um, so, you know, that kind of took some of the guesswork out of it because we were going to make sure that those things were in our weekly practice schedules anyways. Um, but we – we ran up against a really good team and they knocked us out this year in Habersham. They were, uh, they ran the flex as continuity. Mm-hmm. We're good at it. And they played a really, really good pack line defense. Um, so we, when we were getting ready for that flex, we, you know, uh, that we, we dedicated 30 minutes of practice to it at the end of the season, just because we knew that that was going to have, that was going to be the game right there, how we defended that flex that flex continuity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got, you still got to prepare for it. And then, um, you know, so, but it sounds like to me, um, you know, I, I really like how you're adapting and adjusting to your team every year. I think that's really important. What are you doing? Uh, first of all, tell us about your defensive philosophy. It sounds like to me, you're going to more of a one, three, one defensive attack this year, or, or is that what you guys have always done? Well, I've, I've always liked zone defenses because I know, you know, I, I tell the kids this all the time. There's, there's a, there's a basketball coach's handbook. And if a, if a defense comes out in a one, three, one, the basketball coach's handbook says you got to have a two. <laughs> exactly. <five>. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and if you're going to play a, 
two three defense, you're going to be three out, two in, high low look. Everybody's right. got it, and that's that's the first thing that that most folks do um, against those defenses. So I like kind of the predictability. Is if I'm in a one three one, um, we're we're probably going to see a, a four out look with a guard to guard pass, um, and and really I got stuck. I got on to the one three one because I was so one one three amoeba heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I went. I, I'd always been a pack line man and man guy, and as we were transitioning into our last two seasons at Pacelli, and I thought we could be pretty good, and we really got to implementing the LMU. I wanted to find something that could complement the break without given layups you know there's there's kind of two ways to coach the system one's one's all out both feet in you're you're playing helter skelter both sides of the court um you know and and on the defensive end that that does mean uh giving up the basket at times and and giving up layups and i just couldn't really buy into that uh, that part of it um so i had a good friend who became the head basketball coach at columbus state Robert Moore um, and Robert was has been running the amoeba one one three amoeba since he was a high school coach and um, sat down with him and he he drew it all up for me and um, I loved it it was we ran it ninety percent of the times my last two years at Pacelli. Um it it was so good because you, you you do have that guard to guard pass that that you can pressure um, and it's just a different look nobody sees it. Uh, you know, we were the only team on people's schedule who were playing who were playing the one one three amoeba. Um, but the, the thing about it is, you got to have a post who can move like right, a guard. Right, sure. That, that post has to the post and the wing make that X cut from a wing to corner pass, right? So, uh, wing to corner pass, the post who's on the block is closing out to the corner. The wing is falling back to the ball side block. Um, and so you got to have a kid, you got to have three kids on that back line who can really move and interchange, um, and then have a, have a bench who can fill those roles as well. And I just really didn't see, see that, uh, in, in my team now, uh, I don't think I have enough posts to be able to cover that, that X cut, uh, defensive stunt. So started looking at, you know, how I can adjust just to it while keeping some of the things I really liked out of the amoeba. And that was in the one, three, one. Um, and it, again, you know, I, I'm pretty sure how teams are going to attack and we get to practice that a lot. Um, and there's so many different looks with it. You can go with the one, three, one, three quarter look one, three, one half court trap, which is what we do a lot. And then you can play, you know, play it all the way down to a one, one, three, quarter court defense and, and really protect the basket. So, you know, I, I like how one set of rules can go into three different looks based on where you want to pick the defense up. Yeah. The one, three ones are great. And uh, I do think, I think you can play it with size. And also if you have a five quick players as well, I always felt the weakness yep. was weak side rebounding. How are you adapting and working on that? Oh, well, for for us, it, it hasn't just been weak side rebound. It's been strong side <laughs> rebound sure. and rebound. Uh, you know, 
all over the court. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, just you're working on your man to man shell shot block out. You got to do that at the zone, you know, as much time as we spend. And, and that's something we got to get better at is we spend a lot of times mm-hmm. covering the rotation. Are we going to attack a skip pass? Are we going to take a screen? Um, there's got to be a lot of work blocking out with the ball coming at different angles and being shot from different places where you go into box out when the ball is shot from here. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that we want to build in more of our practice schedule daily is so that kids are comfortable um, knowing where that defensive blockout is going to be. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm thinking, you know, of course, I'm, I'm thinking about the things that I've heard as, of course, weak side rebounding. But also, if we go against a really good post player, you know, they would sit up, they would sit, they would go, they would go double post and they would sit mm-hmm. a big, strong post player on our bottom player and basically pin her down there uh, and just go right inside. That's been a problem. So, how have you adapted to like bigs in the one three one? Well, that's, that's a great question. That's, that's something that I've had to deal with directly at Gainesville because we were in a region this past year and the year before with great post players. Uh, and, and quite honestly, before the past two years, I haven't worried about your post. A, we were going to beat them up and down the floor. Two, we were going to trap it out b- before they could become an impact in the game. Um, so, you know, this year and in the past year, we've we've had a couple of Division two and Division one talents at the post position where teams were going to make sure – uh, they get the ball into the post, and a lot of it is scouting. We're, we're, we're probably going to front her, and we're going to play the backside wing a lot tighter on on that post and, and kind of pinch. Um, two, and this is the, the biggest thing we're going to try to do, we're going to try to trap early. You know, we've always felt like if we could keep the ball – above the three-point line, trapping as much as we can. We're going to force a quick shot somewhere else before they can get into a a set that they're comfortable in to get the ball to the post. Um, And if those things didn't work, I got got out of it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, And that's the tough thing in coaching is like when do you – I mean, there's so many different ways to do things right, Alan. And one thing that um, I want to share with you in a sense that I've – I've always been like a multiple defensive guy, but I'm now adjusting to become one defense where it's, and I can show different looks from one defense, but it's all matchup zone. So we run a two, two, one press back into what we call our buzz defense, which is the high two, one, two trapping zone. Um, And we stay in that and we adjust it as we go. So I feel like that's kind of going to be our go-to defense. We're not going to be changing it. We're just going to be adjusting it. So I feel like something that even now, after so many years, I've kind of learned kind of what's the best way to do things. So, but I think a lot of people believe yeah. in multiple defenses, which I've done for a long, long time. What are you doing? Well, I think that I am going more towards being a one defensive guy. Um, and I've heard Coach Durden say this a hundred thousand times. There's a point in the season where you're going to have to play half court basketball sure. and grind, and, and that means being confident in your set offense and being confident in being able to play man to man defense. Um, 
what I've learned is when I have had teams who made deep playoff runs, they're going to be able to move the ball well enough to defeat whatever trap we're in. Um, and we're going to have to be able to, you know, go man-to-man and play great fundamental man-to-man defense. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's kind of late season kind of thinking. Um, but I, I've, I've looked at the buzz – uh, a bunch and let me ask you sure. this coach one is the two two one are, are you looking at that as that as a contain press to get you into your buzz or are you, you being aggressive with well it being top? aggressive and and we got i mean we got a heck of a team coming back so we're going to be really quick plus i have one big six foot girl in the back but um we're going to be aggressive with it because we're trying to turn you over but uh, i'm going to run it kind of two different ways i'm going to try to scramble you with my top two guards where she's going to try to cut and she's going to try to, my other guards going to trap. And then, then we do a normal, you know, run and jump where you would try to get you going down that sideline with a guard and forward. Um, but right. we're really applying pressure. So we want that, we want that guard to really start going hard down that sideline. Uh, and then we just got to contain that player and then find a trap. And usually what we try to do, Alan is, find a trap late in the, in, in the press where it passed half court and so forth. So we yeah. can, we're already in. And then from there, if they break it or are we, we stay right into our, our buzz defense, which is our half court trap and so forth. We don't do a lot of trapping. We're just kind of, we're just kind of, kind of wedging and kind of walling you and we're waiting for you to make a mistake. And then we track. Right now, let me ask you, Coach. Out of that two two one two buzz, I've I've recently did a watched a a clinic on it. Are, are you making that X cut with your post to the from the block to the corner, or, or how are you treating that wing to corner that, pass? That's a great post? question, and that is uh, we'll do some. We we'll never have her leave the post, so we're going to do some things, some variations of that. Um, that's going to be the weakness of it now probably our best sequence is when, you know, if she comes out, then we'll have five quick guards in there. We can really get after it. Um, but what we do with her though, is we don't, we don't have her go all the way out. She's tall. So, and she's pretty athletic. Yeah. So she can go out and kind of form a little wedge wall right there with the forward. And we try to get our other forward to kind of, you know, cover the low post area. But she does go out, but not fully to the corner. I don't know if that makes sense. Because um, yeah, we yeah. feel like walling is the best way to play sometimes because kids, as you know, girls can't make long passes. Um, yeah. So we got to really be smart with her, though, because we don't want her to come too far out. It kind of eliminates her rebounding. So, I mean, we got to be smart as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great defensive look. Um, but, um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to do it. Cause I know Gene with a one, two, two, man, he will trap you on. And this is what we're going to do as well. I mean, we like to press you on misses as well, which we feel like it's really advantageous to do that. Are you going to be doing that? Or are you just, are you transitioning back into just your regular defense? No, we, that's been, I feel like the way Gene traps off of, off of, um, often misses, and even though he'll tell you everything he's ever learned, <laughs> uh, 
that's one of those things that, and, and I, I put you in the same category, Coach. I, that is a elite coaching, to be able to consistently trap off of those misses and having everybody be where they're supposed to be. Um, we, we played Buford this year. My good gosh almighty. <laughs> you know, we get a great rebound, do everything right, fill our lanes, and girl makes a pivot to face up and she's being trapped by what seems to be 10 players, even though it's just right. two. Um, it, just the, 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 the way they do it and the consistency they do it at is it, something that, you know, it, it's in my dream book. It's on my, my dream list of things to do. Um, I'm really looking at taking our one, three, one this year and making it um, a, th- a three quarter court containment look after makes and misses. I feel that that will slow up transition um, and also give the, you know, it gives the offense kind of a math problem to do before they get to start playing basketball. And that's something I really like about, about containment presses is it, you know, you're not giving up layups, you're not giving up transition threes, but you're making them think uh, one, two passes before they can get comfortable and run a play. That's a great point. I think that's the best way to play defense is you never get them into a rhythm of running their stuff. And I think it'll do it. I mean, I really do. I don't know your team, but I think that's a great way to play because I found out by not as much our full court, Alan, is our half court trap teams never set up. Now, they might be good enough to pass over or through it, you know, but they got to be pretty talented to do that. So, I mean, but they never get set up. They never run any of their set plays against them, which is, I think, is good defense. That, that's exactly right. And and I know, you know, as we've been kind of really getting in the one three one stuff, I know that coaches are – and they're telling me, I said, Coach, I, I hate playing against you, you know, just because, you know, if we're playing on Friday night, on Wednesday and Thursday, I got to spend 30 <laughs> minutes against the one three one, and then you come out and you don't run it. You know, so so it's just like uh, football teams having to get ready to play Georgia Tech when Paul Johnson was there and getting ready to to play against the flex bone. You know, Kirby Smart in, implementing <laughs> sure. period to every day to, to prepare against the flex bone offense. So that, that's kind of kind of my thought process and and coming up with my defensive. Play. Yeah, I love that. And I I got you know this year we played Stratford in the region tournament and. Um, and Stratford's a really good program out here in Macon. You probably know who they are. But um, and uh, I thought the whole year they've been pressing, so we prepared for their press. And um, they they sat back in a two three zone. They said it was funny. He goes, Coach, we can't compete with your athletes. That's what he told me. He says, Come on. So they sat back in a zone and they still beat us. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they also had a really good team too. So. But um, <laughs> sometimes you run up against good players and and good teams, and there's you can throw everything at them. But if they're if they're well coached and, and well drilled and are just good players, then you know things aren't looking good for the home team. Yeah, for sure. And and there's so many different ways you can play the game, and that's and I always feel like you've got to have a second and third plan for your system. You can't just be running the yep. same stuff. So it can be one defense or multiple defenses. Um, hey, This is Matthew Smith with United Basketball Clinics. I want to let you know about the 
fourth annual Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, the last weekend of August, August 28th and 29th. Right now, we've secured Chris Oliver of Basketball Immersion to to speak all Friday night. He's going to give three to four sessions on topics that will challenge us as coaches and leaders. I look forward to seeing you there. We will update you as soon as we secure other speakers for Saturday. Please follow at Coach M.W. Smith on Twitter, and our website is unitedbasketballclinics.com. Hey Coach, tell me about uh, – let's talk about your practice plans. Um, I always want to hear, like, what do coaches do to prepare? Like, you know, do you have a certain structure, or do you change it up each day on different things? Well, I – I'm a big practice plan guy. Matter of fact, it's probably one of my favorite things to do Um, just because I I love the idea of every night after practice, I get to sit down and think about how I can get better for the next day. Um, So I I love doing practice plans. And what we've started at Gainesville is we do the first 20 minutes are the same exact things every day. Um, And we have a list of uh, a daily 10 where we're going to, try to perfect those things. Um, and, and they're, they're simple, simple drills. And, uh, you know, there's three variations of layups that we do that are, that are short, quick layup drills that we want to get in every day. Um, two passing drills. We do a, you know, we do the six person Argentine yeah, passing sure. drill and we want perfect and, um, so that's actually the very first drill we do. So that's uh, one minute. Everybody get getting two reps in it um, before we go to the next passing drill. So we'll do that daily 10. Um, and then we'll break up into either individual work or small sided, uh, small sided game work um, where we, we work our, you know, three person uh, read and react drills, with a, a three-person man shell, um, and, and as the you know the, the thing with basketball is, as you get deeper into the season, you get deeper into your scouting reports, and, and your scouting report unfortunately seems to take more practice time than than you always want it to. Um, but we do press and press break every single day for ten to fifteen minutes. <clears throat> I've always felt, and that's kind of a reflection of where I came from because like I said when I was in Columbus it didn't matter where you went you were going to see a diamond press um, and so I, I kind of made a, a a rule to myself I would never get beat by a team that solely relied sure. on their press uh, so we do 10 to 15 minutes of press and press break every day um, team offense team defense and then we're, we're going to shoot 30 minutes every day um, doesn't matter how good or bad practice has gone, we're gonna we're gonna shoot for thirty minutes every day. Yeah, and um, shooting's kind of underrated. I think sometimes we, um, I don't think any coach in America does enough shooting because I don't think the kids are doing enough shooting on their own. So, but I think shooting's valuable. So, give us kind of a sample of how you do your shooting workouts. Well, we uh, we do three person groups. Um, we, we start out with the rebounder, passer, shooter. Everybody does a minute of that. Um, based on time, we'll either do one 
one rotation of it or two rotations of it, um, and it's just catch and shoot. Then we'll keep in the same format. We'll do uh, shot fake and shoot, shot fake and shoot. Um, from there, we go to the mic and drill, right, left layups, you know, right, left layups. Um, from there, go to elbow to elbow. Same thing, one minute on the clock, two rebounders. Um, kids are working footwork from elbow to elbow. Um, and then we'll do the next rotation will be corner to wing. And we're not shooting threes at this point. We're just taking mid-range jump shots, really working on feet and form, feet and form. Um, and then we're going to end with uh, a free throw drill that I, I love. I uh, learned it from another coach in Alabama. Uh, we start with, with five makes. So the, the first day of practice and the first couple of days of practice, it'll be five. The number will be five. And every kid in the gym has to make five free throws in a row before okay. we're going to break it down and go home. Um, and as that number gets quicker, we'll go to six, seven, and we try to end the season at 10, 10 in a row where no, nobody's leaving the gym until every kid in the gym makes 10 in a row. And that, that puts, you know, that seventh shot, that eighth shot, that ninth shot, that tenth shot, that that starts to bring you to game pressure when it's getting to 601, 602, <laughs> 603, and kids are trying to So um, uh, that's kind of our daily shoot. Yeah, I love that. That's that's great pressure at the end. I mean, 10 in a row is pretty good there, Alan. I mean, I don't know too many programs that can do it. I, I bet those kids are really cheering them on at the end, though, which is which is good, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> every day is different with high school kids. You know, I, I've I've always said we're we're a special breed to put our our careers and our families' uh, food on on the line for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kids um, because you never know what their performance is going to be on a day to day basis. But um, it's funny, you know, the first. First month of the season, as as we're building up to it, there's there's a lot of cheering, and then you know, come February, you got them laying on the floor like, oh, come on, make a shot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, hey, give me one drill that I, I I just call it like a DNA drill. Like you can't, you pretty much do it every day. Is there a drill you do every day, Alan? The, there's. There's a lot of them. I, I think that um, a drill that I've always loved is a, it's. Uh, I got it from my dad. Um, it was one of the drills my dad used to let me hop in and on practice, and that's our two-minute drill. Put two minutes on the clock. There's a line underneath the basket, and then it, so it starts with a rebounder underneath the basket with a line, uh, a player at half court, a player at the other end. Um, and shot goes up, rebounder passes to center court, follows their shot, center court passes to the player on the block who shoots a layup. Player on at center court follows that shot, gets the ball out of the basket, passes to center court, and the player who just shot the layup is running full, uh, full court to catch and make the second layup. And that's going – uh, continuously for two minutes and they got to get a goal. So um, a good team's going to get 28. We'll start the season at 21, 22. 
um, and then they run for their misses. So that's that's an early in practice drill that we we do every day, um, and a lot of a lot of what I like to do are just run out layups. Um, I, I really work a lot run out layups, catching the ball on the run and finishing. I think particularly with girls, that's something that um, is a challenge to make that long pass and to catch that long pass, finish with a dribble. Yeah, that, that's so true. I think that's the hardest thing to do in girls basketball is um, that full speed layup with somebody on you, <laughs> which is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah. how do you teach that? Um, are we, if somebody's on you, we teach the power stop, power jump. You guys, uh, how, how do you guys do with somebody's going full speed, somebody on their hip? What do you do? Yeah, I love that that jump stop into contact and finish. Uh, you know, we we work the jump stop every day, but the the jump stop coming from a side angle with two feet, getting that inside shoulder, inside elbow on your defender, and finishing with your 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 far hand. Um, you know, that that's something that we're, we're doing every day, and, and getting them to embrace contact as they're finishing is, is such a valuable. Yeah, it's so true. And that's one, that's the, um, to me, that's the key to Gene. Gene, um, I know Gene really, matter of fact, we just talked the other day about things he's doing in the summer, but that's the key to Gene's teams is they're physical. They will, they will out physical you. Uh, You play them a lot. So I know when you get beat, I mean, like you said, you feels like you got against 10, uh, their weight room, their strength training, all that, man, they're going to out beat. They're going to beat you up, in my opinion, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they're tough physical kids who have just been programmed. Um, they've been programmed to win and do it right from the time they step on the court to the time they step off. Um, everything in that program is precise, practiced, drilled, and perfected. Um, it's, it's, it's a fun thing to watch and a fun thing to, to chase. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, I would be telling a lie if I didn't tell you that's, that's what we're chasing. That's where we want to get. Um, and it's great to be able to see it and know that it's attainable and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you might play and, and you might lose to them, you're going to learn a lot probably if you played in an inferior team, I'm sure. Hey, uh, before you go, um, I, cause I, I love when coaches contact me and say, man, I really like that coach. I really picked up a lot. Um, give me like a great tradition that you guys do at Gainesville, like whether before the game, a locker room thing. Give me something that you do traditionally you want to share with us. Uh, we're, we're, we're still, you know, we're, we're young in the, in the tense of, in the sense of um, it being, it being my program. Um, one of the traditions we started this year were, uh, Monday meetings and wisdom, wisdom, let me say that again, wisdom Wednesday. Um, so the first 10 minutes of practice every Monday, we meet in the classroom, in the gym, and we outline our schedule. We outline our goals for the week. Um, and it, it takes about 10 minutes. It's just a great, great 10 minutes to focus us on uh what we're doing for the week, what our goals are for the week and, and, you know, give them the schedule for the week. Um, that's uh, one of the biggest things I've learned just coaching high school kids is you, you've got to be great communicators. And uh, one of my goals as a coach is to never 
never, never, never allow a player or a parent ask me what we're doing tomorrow. I want them to always know what we're doing every day of the week. So uh, our Monday meetings are important in that we, we always touch base every Monday with our goals and our schedule for the week. And then Wednesday, Wednesday is a, a opportunity for one of my assistants to give some words of wisdom. Um, I like to talk. I think all head coaches like to talk. And sometimes um, head coaches can fill up a gym <laughs> way sure. too much with words. So I, I outlined a, a period every Wednesday for my assistants to get some things to, to give some of their wisdom, some of the things that they're seeing and not maybe getting the opportunity to say um, some lessons they've learned, some, some guidance that they want to give. Um, and normally that coach who does that for me is Katie B. Davis, who's one of the, I'm blessed to have her on my staff. She's one of the greatest uh, women's high school basketball players ever to come through the state. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have her on my staff. So I, I particularly want her to get the opportunity to address the kids every week um, on Wednesday. So those are two things that we started this year that are, are definitely going to um, hopefully grow and, and be, be traditions and things the kids expect. And uh, Yeah, that's great. I love how you utilize your assistance. And you. it sounds like to me you probably have other people coming in too to probably share, which I think is so important. I think when the head coach says less, it's actually more powerful when you talk, right? Absolutely. And we all want, we all want player led teams. I think when we get to the point where we can sit back in a drill and the the kids teach themselves and, Oh yeah, coach, we've done this drill a thousand times. You just stand there and, and watch. Cause we're going to do it right, right now. Um, you know, those are teams that you know are going to win a lot. Of yeah. I totally agree like that. I mean, I, uh, and I think it's it's hard for a lot of coaches. I think a lot of the coaches are kind of control guys and so forth. But I think it's very important to have a player led team. You're exactly right. Hey, give me give me some of the resources that you use to make you more efficient. I know I'm big on huddle, and I of course I I I, I podcasts and so forth. What do you use to make yourself a more efficient coach? Well, I think the, the number one thing I'm doing nowadays that I wasn't necessarily doing 10 days ago is is the contacts in the coaching world. Um, you know, there's a lot of good guys in, in, in this game, um, a lot of good coaches, men's coaches, women's coaches, high school, college, um, that are willing to share with you. Um, and the biggest thing I do now when I, when I have a question is I pick up the phone um, and I'm, I'm calling guys around the state, um, you know, and that I think that's, you know, we all started before huddle. I, I think you remember <laughs> it wasn't so right. long ago, five years ago, a scout going to get was from the, the, the coach who just played that team Tuesday night. Hey coach, what'd they do last night? Right. And that was your scouting report. Um, you know, so that that's what I do more than anything. Um, I used to be a, a big, uh, used to be a big read and react guy, and the, they had a part on their website that was the the tribe, which was a, a great message board that they they no longer do. Um, but they, I mean, there's you know, I, I love championship products, and you know, I love spending thirty nine ninety five on a DVD that I'll never <laughs> exactly. <use>. Uh. <laughs> 
I was a big I was a big Nike Nike Clinic guy. I loved going to see Bobby Knight and, and those guys talk. But um, when I brought those things back to my high school gym, they weren't the, they it wasn't as valuable. And 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 in all honesty, and I'm not just telling you this because I'm here with you. Um, your clinic is the most um, it, it is the most worth going to clinic that that I think is out right now because it is relatable. It's, it's high school coaches, it's small college coaches. They're they're coaches who are dealing with uh, the things that we deal with as high school coaches. And are you're learning what works at the high school game, which I think is so important. What what works in the Big Ten doesn't necessarily work in Region Four, Region Seven. Or yeah, I'm is. gonna I'm gonna edit this piece and definitely put it in my. Uh, my section for the clinic, man. I really appreciate that. And I, um, because that was the purpose of starting the clinic was uh, exactly what you said was I'm going to learn more from a high school coach, a lot more than a college. Now, college guys are good, but man, that, that's a whole purpose of the clinic. So oh, I'm yeah. glad that you get a lot out of it. Definitely makes the clinic worthwhile when you say that. It, 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 it doesn't, um, you know, it, it's just a, great you got a great facility and you've got some great connections and um you know the guys that you bring in like glenn hicks like gene uh gene durden uh steve collins it, you catch them out at lunch and they'll talk <laughs> exactly. to you for another two hours now that's what it's all about and then they're going to give you your cell phone number their cell phone number at the end and you know you have a, a world of knowledge right there and so it's those it, it it's all about those relationships and coaching is what makes you better um, and when you have the opportunity to really get to know another coach and be befriend another coach, you know, they're, they're going to open up and invite you to practices and, uh, you know, just sit down over a cup of coffee and a, a chalkboard is, is more valuable than, than I think. Yeah, that's a great else. point. And, um, and of course that's why, you know, why I do the podcast as well. I try to get just really good high school coaches from around the country. And it's amazing how these, I, I, I talk to guys that have won, multiple state championships and I can call them right now and they'll give you whatever they need. And I always think that the best coaching advice is right next door. I really do. I really do. I don't know how you feel about that. Absolutely. Um, You know, there's, there's so many good coaches um, in just Hall County, Georgia, who, you know, I've picked up the phone and said, you know, what are y'all doing there? That's awesome. Are you getting to, uh, when we're not playing, I love going to another gym and just seeing, you know, what, what they're doing in warmups, what, how they're organizing their team during a timeout. There's so many little things you can do just by ha- watching how other coaches operate that are going to make. Yeah. You well said, man. that's really great advice you gave right here at the end. Um, how can somebody get a hold of you? If they really like something that you're doing, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Maybe Twitter, Facebook, email. What's the best way we can do it? Well, I, I, my my Twitter's at Coach Griff forty six, but I'm I'm rarely on that anymore. I've I've just decided that nobody really wants my <laughs> opinions that much. Uh, but um, get a hold of me is by email coach griffin at gmail all right that's great coach and i i know there's a lot of coaches out there including myself that love to pick your brains i think you have a lot of great ideas you're a true basketball guy man i appreciate it and hopefully we can get that clinic going again man so um 
hopefully that we can, we can start getting basketball back in the back in the gym soon. Absolutely. The sooner it gets bouncing, the the lot more happy I'll be, and I know my wife will be excited. To <laughs> exactly. Get right. Me out of the house, a Coach. Bit. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and um, I wish you the best, man. Good luck with your team, and uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Right, thanks thanks so much, Coach. It was a blast. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision podcast.